Last time we were talking about dependent arising and the three ways in which things were dependent, which were parts, process and conditions, yeah, concept and label. Okay. So thinking about them in terms of their causes and conditions is often the kind of first way, it's the easiest way just to uh, think of the things that, that that things are made of. And Thich Nhat Hanh in his writing emphasizes this a lot. And then he says, look at a piece of paper, and in the piece of paper you can see the tree, the sunshine, the logger, the mill. Not, not that the, he doesn't mean that, you know, the logger's inside here, the tree's inside here, you know. I mean, the tree is the cause. The cause doesn't exist anymore. Okay, the logger is the cause. The logger doesn't exist in this thing. Okay, the sunshine that grew the tree doesn't, you know, exist right now. Those things are causes. They exist before. But when we look at the paper, we can see that the paper is the cumulative result of all of those causes and conditions coming together. And so likewise, when we think of our body, you know, we can trace back all causes and conditions. I was talking about the carrots and broccoli last time, you know. And, uh, you know, the sperm and egg, and you can trace back your genes and chromosomes ad infinitum. Um, the same with our mind. You know, our mind arises due to causes. It doesn't exist as something that's always been there as some permanent thing, but it arose due to the causes, which are the previous moments of mind. So, again, we have this thing of being able to trace the mind stream back and back and back and back. Okay. And so something that is the cause is not also the result. They exist in a continuum, but once the result has come, the cause is long gone. Okay. So the you know the tree that caused the paper, the tree doesn't exist anymore. The paper is the result of it. Okay. The exact um, sperm and egg that came together, you know, however many years ago inside your mother, they don't exist anymore, but our present genes are the results of those you know, that grew into our body. Okay, like that. Similarly with our mind, well, you know, our mind stream today is not the same as your mind stream yesterday or, you know, 15 years ago or when you were in the womb, but it's a continuation of that. So that the things that exist now that function and change all arose dependent on causes. And then they arose, uh, they also depend on parts because anything you look at is not a single unitary thing, but it depends on parts. So if you look at the piece of paper, you know, the parts, there's different ways to look at the parts of paper. You know, you can look at the north, south, east, and west parts of the paper. You can look at the top and bottom paper. You can look at the parts of paper like the whiteness is one part of the paper, and the rectangularness is one part of the paper, and the hardness is one part of the paper, and the thinness is one part of the paper. So all of the different qualities of which, you know, which compose the paper are also considered its parts. So there's different ways to look at parts. It's kind of interesting instead of looking at the at the parts of the paper as being, you know, kind of cut up in, in, in squares or something, but think of all the different qualities. 
And then it's real interesting because you look at the whiteness of the paper, the squareness, the hardness, you know, the smell of the paper. These are all parts of the paper. And then you look in any of them, if there are any of them in the paper. Quite interesting. And then the paper exists dependent, or any phenomena exists dependent also on the consciousness that conceives of it and gives it a label. So before this thing is called paper, and there's no paper there. Now, before our mind looks at those qualities and gathers those qualities together in terms of its con- the mind's concept and therefore gives it a, pa- a label, before that, you know, you can't say that there's one solid distinguishable object here. Okay? It's only the fact that our mind conceives of something that makes it one object. And this is really something quite interesting to think about, because when we look at things, they appear as if they're one object from their own side. This is one object, this is one object, this is an object, this is an object. They all look discrete, you know, kind of out there. But if you think about it, you know, none of them are one object. They're all made up of lots and lots of little parts. I mean, this is many, many objects. And the only thing that makes it one is the fact that our mind kind of gathered all those qualities together with, in terms of its concept and gave it a label. But aside from that, you know, there's nothing inside here holding everything together to make it it. That's real interesting to think about with your body. Okay? When you think about your body, is just, it's just all these different parts. That's all. Yeah. And a continuation of these different parts that have been together over a period of time. But it's not like our body is one thing from its own side. It's all these different things. But when we think of it, we feel my body like it's one thing. As if there's some kind of bodiness that is pervading and keeping all the parts stuck together. You know, some kind of glue that makes the body stick together. There's no glue that makes it stick together. It's just all these parts. The, the way they are in relationship to each other, they happen to be near each other at the same time. But it's only because our mind then looks at these parts and, and frames them in terms of a concept and gives them a label that then it becomes a body. So spend some time looking at Escher paintings. And spend some time look at looking at the tile in your bathroom floor. Yeah, these are very good to learn about term and concept. Yeah, how the mind creates things. Okay. So, now the question may come, well, why is thinking about all of this important? This is all very nice, but why is it so important? It's fun to talk about, but what does it have to do with anything? And um, actually, it has a lot to do with a lot of things. So we have to kind of go back a little bit here in order to understand why thinking about dependent arising and the lack of independent existence, why this is important. So let's, to do this, let's come back to our experience, okay? Here we are, there's a body and there's a mind. And if we look at our experience during our life, there's a lot of unsatisfactory things that go on, okay? We get born, we get old, we get sick, and we die. And in between, we try and get the things we want, but we aren't always successful. And 
we get, have some things we like, but then we get separated from them. And then we have all these problems, you know, things we don't want, which come automatically. And so, you know, we're stuck. This is kind of the very nature of our existence. And this is the first noble truth. You know, just really looking at what our existence is. This is the nature of our body and mind. Yeah, they're changing. There's lots of unsatisfactory experiences. Even the happiness we experience doesn't last very long. It changes into something else. Okay. And so then we have to say, well, what makes this arise? Why are we here experiencing this instead of experiencing something else? I mean, why don't why do we have a body that gets old and sick and dies? Why don't we have a body that's made of light that doesn't get old and sick and die? And why do we have a mind that is full of anger and attachment and pain and, you know, resentment? Why don't we have a mind that's kind of easygoing and lets things go and, you know, goes with the flow and all this kind of stuff? Why not? And so here we have to trace the causes of this experience. And the Buddha traced the causes to the internal attitudes of the ignorance, anger, and attachment. And if we look especially, um, if we look at anger, you know, the anger that we have, the anger that wants to destroy things, get away from things, distance ourselves from them, okay, that anger is very much related to our attachment. The more attachment we have, the more anger we have. Okay, the more we're clinging on to something, the more upset we get when we don't get it. Okay, and the attachment comes from the ignorance, the ignorance that makes everything very, very solid. So we have to understand what the ignorance is, that's the source of the attachment, that's the source of the anger. Okay, because these three together are what makes us create actions or karma. The karma is what propels up, you know, determines what our next rebirth is going to be. The attachment at the time of death makes the karma ripen because as we're dying, we're thinking, I want this body, I want this body, I don't want to separate from it. And when it seems like we have to separate from it, then we freak out. So what do we do? We grasp another body. Can't have this one? Well, get me another one. Okay? And so that grasping at the time of death, that attachment, is what makes the karma ripen, which is what throws us into another body. And so we get this cyclic existence of going from one body to the next body to the next body. And then because of the karma we've created under the influence of ignorance, anger, and attachment, once we're in a body, we experience a whole range of different experiences. And like we were just talking about, some of them are great, and some of them are awful, but the great ones don't last long. The awful ones don't last long either, but they do change into other awful ones. Okay? So it's kind of the whole things. after you think about it, you say there's got to be another way. So if the ignorance, are you, are you, do you see how the ignorance is the source of this? Because this is a real key point. If you don't see how the ignorance is the source of all of these undesirable experiences in your life, then there's no way to see how realizing emptiness is important. Okay, but if you're able to see how the ignorance is the source, because the ignorance creates the attachment and anger, which create the karma. The ignorance creates the attachment, which makes us grasp at the time of death, which makes the karma ripen. Okay? So what is this ignorance, and how does it create the attachment? How is it the basis for the whole thing? Well, they use an analogy. 
uh, to illustrate ignorance. And they say it's like um, you go in a room that's very dimly lit, you can't see well, and in a distant corner, there's something that's coiled and it's striped. And so in the dimness of the room, you see the thing that's coiled and striped, and you go, it's a snake. <laughs> and you freak out and you get afraid and, you you know, your mind just goes bonkers. Okay. So they, they say this is analogy of ignorance because the ignorance is like a dimness in the mind. In other words, it's a... It's just a, a, a dimness, you know, it's a lack of awareness, a lack of clarity in the mind. And within that dimness, within that inability to see clearly, then the mind also grasps at something and, impu- and imputes something onto it that, or projects something onto it that isn't really there. So. To go back to the analogy, you have the coiled and striped thing, which is a rope, let's say. You know, it's a coiled striped rope. But the mind, because it can't see clearly, looks and says it's a snake. So the mind is projecting something onto the the rope that isn't really there. But it believes what it's projected and then gets frightened. So in a similar way... um, Things arise dependently, like we just discussed. But because the mind the mind is dim, the mind doesn't see clearly, it can't see that dependent existence. But instead, what it does is it projects independent existence, the complete opposite, on top of something. And then says, ah, that's an independently existing thing. Therefore, it's a real big deal. And it freaks out because we make real big deals out of everything. Okay? So we make big deals out of ourselves. We make the big deals out of our possession, out of our problems, out of our emotions, out of our ideas. Everything becomes a big deal because we've projected a mode of existence onto everything that from its side it doesn't have. So when we talk about emptiness, we're saying that things are empty of the fantasized ways of existence that we have projected onto them. Okay? In the, to go back to the analogy, the rope is empty of being a snake. There's absolutely no snake there anywhere. The rope is empty of being a snake. But what we're doing is we're not just imputing things like snakes and lamps. We're imputing a way of existence, an independent way of existence onto phenomena. But in fact, from their side, these things are empty of existing in the fantasized ways that we've projected onto them. So when we realize emptiness, we're not creating some reality that wasn't existent before. This is real important. When we realize emptiness, we're just seeing what has always been there which is the lack of all the garbage we've projected onto it. So emptiness, realizing emptiness is not creating a reality somewhere. But it's just perceiving what always has been, but what we haven't been able to see because we're so busy projecting other stuff on. You know, when you're so busy projecting snake onto rope, you can't see the rope. 
And those of you with kids would probably see it really clearly. When your kid gets an idea, you know, and like this is this is like this, and they get hysterical, you know, they see something and they get afraid. And you know it's nothing to get afraid about. You know it isn't even what they see. But they're so freaked out about it, you can't explain it to them. <laughs> Tell them what it is. Yeah, I mean, and then if you, we could probably remember a lot from our childhood of just looking at other kids around us. Well, it's the same thing. Our mind is so busy projecting independent or inherent existence on everything that we can't see the emptiness that's there. We can't see the dependent existing that's there. Yeah, I remember somebody saying to Lama Yeshi one time, Lama, how do you realize emptiness? And he said, just realize that everything you're perceiving is a hallucination. <laughs> just realize that reality is all around you. That's all. You know, you don't have to create anything. You don't have to do anything special. Just realize what already is there. You know, and stop creating more stuff to put on top of it. And that's basically what we're doing. The way our minds perceive things. But the tricky thing is that it's very difficult for us to identify what it is that we're projecting on top of things. Because we've been projecting this independent or inherent existence on top of things since beginningless time. So we're not even aware that we're projecting it. We're not even aware that our, that our minds are tangled up in this mess. But instead, we just automatically believe that everything we perceive is that the way we perceive it is the way it exists. So it's kind of like, you know, if you could imagine a baby coming out of the womb wearing sunglasses, you know, then, you know, the little diamond ones that the little kids have. Um, the baby comes out wearing sunglasses, grows up into an adult, and and they think that everything that they perceive is dark. You know, because since the, the first time they ever perceived anything, everything's been dark. Yeah. So they don't even realize that what they're perceiving is, is not the way things exist because they're so used to it. So it's the same way in terms of how we project this independent existence onto everything. We're so used to it that it, it kind of appears from its own side and we don't even see it um, as a false perception on our part. We're just so completely used to it. So this is, is the difficult thing, is recognizing um, what this independent existence would look like, you know, I mean, recognizing how things appear to us to be independently existing. Okay? Because the thing is, there is no such thing as independent existence, but we are perceiving it. So we're perceiving something that doesn't exist at all. That's why Lama said, you know, just recognize, dear, that everything you see is a hallucination. Yeah. Because what we're seeing is not at all what is existing in, in terms of the nature of what it, the na something's nature. Okay. So they use different examples to kind of illustrate this to us. They say how, um, like a dream, you know, an object in a dream, it appears very real, but it's not. Yeah. You can dream that somebody hit you with a baseball bat, but when you wake up, your body isn't, you know, isn't bruised because the dream object is not a real object. 
Or they use the example of a reflection in the mirror. Now, like with your cats or your dogs, they'll go and stand in front of the mirror and try and play with the cat or the dog inside the mirror. And I think kids do that too when they don't know what a mirror is. So it looks like there's a real face in there. Looks like there's a real animal, but it's actually empty of being an animal. There's just an appearance there. Okay. So in the same way, you know, what we're perceiving, there are dependent objects there, but they are appearing to us as being independent, and we grasp onto them existing that way, but from their side they don't have that. There's no real thing there in the things that we're perceiving. And so, when we see this basic misconception that ignorance is, how it doesn't perceive things as they are, but it projects a way of existence on top of them that they don't have, and how be- this way of existence is what gets that we project is what gets us into so many problems. Because this this thing of making everything into this conc these concrete identifiable objects is what makes us get angry, <laughs> get attached, and have all the other problems that follow after that. Okay? Because we make everything real, real solid. Okay. Now, just to give you a few examples of how we make things solid and how this whole process goes, because it's, it's real important we recognize this in our life. Um, our, whole, our whole way of relating to money is an excellent example of, of how we um, project things that aren't there. Because if there's a $100 bill, okay, we look at it and we're like, $100 bill, this is something that's very valuable. And especially if we have the label mine attached to it. Remember last time we talked about what happens as soon as we give it the label mine? It all of a sudden becomes really important. Okay, so we have my $100 bill. And then, you know, if you take my $100 bill, well, this is, you know, this is an important thing. Because this is my hundred dollars, you know, mine, it's part of me, I'm attached to it, it represents my success as a human being, it represents all the future happiness of everything I'm going to buy, and you're taking that, you know, this real thing, you're taking, so then I'm going to get angry, and then maybe I yell and scream, or maybe I throw something, or whatever, so you see how we get the anger and attachment arising, simply because we view this this hundred dollar bill as so incredibly important, from the anger and attachment, then we get the action or the karma that leaves the imprints on the mind. But if we go back and look, what is this $100 bill that we're so attached to? If we really look at it, you know, and all this meaning it has to us in its life, well, if we look inside of, you know, look at this thing, it's simply paper and ink. Yeah, it's nothing more than paper and ink, that's all. But, What our mind has done is on top of the basis of this paper and ink, it has, you know, with its concept, designated this as one object and then imputed all this meaning onto it, okay? Like we impute, this is the meaning of my life. This measures how successful I am as a human being. Or we impute, this is the cause of my happiness. This is what security is. So when we see a $100 bill, we don't just see paper and ink. We see success. We see security. We see meaning. We see purpose. We see all sorts of things. But if we look, none of those things exist inside the $100 bill. 
all the $100 bill is, is paper and ink in a certain design. Okay? So do you see a little bit how our mind is creating a whole thing on top of this basis that the thing just doesn't have? And because of what we've projected on top of it, we actually make ourselves tremendously miserable. Because of instead of just seeing, you know, that yes, this paper and ink in this way combined with the society and the way the society operates enables us to do certain things. Because, you know, this paper and ink does have a certain function. Instead of just seeing it as a relational thing, as a dependent thing, as something that has value and existence imputed on top of it, instead of seeing it that way, okay, we see it as the meaning, the value coming from inside of it out. And that's what makes us so mixed up in relationship to it. But it's merely our mind that's creating all the pain. That's all. Completely in the mind. 